This is Emily Dolenz and you're listening to Zilch, the podcast full of the monkeys. What number is this, Chip? Episode 73, I was a teenage monster commentary, monkeys, mail, and more. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, like, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. Zilch. Zilch. You're listening to Zilch, a monkeys podcast. Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. I am one of your hosts, Ken Mills, and today I'm joined by Melanie Mitchell, author of Monkey Magic. Hello! Welcome back to the show, Melanie. It's been a while. Yes, it has, and, and anytime you're not with us, we feel sad, so we're glad to have you back. And we welcome to Zilch, once again, the button queen, Christine Wolf herself. Hi, everybody! So, here we are. Coming off a very cool Monkeys concert in St. Louis that was just absolutely mind-blowing, and we're going to do an entire episode based on that, similar to what we did to the Pantages episode, uh, which we entitled Souvenir. You guys remember that one, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're going to be doing an episode which is very similar to the one that we did about Mike's last show at the Pantages. It'll be similar in scope to that. We also have an episode coming up with John Hughes and some of the Zilch gang doing a track-by-track commentary of the bonus songs from the Good Times album. All those wonderful bonus tracks, they'll be talking about those, so be looking forward to those. But tonight, we're doing the return of the Monkees Color Cast commentary with Jeff Hewlett and Melanie Mitchell. (laughs) Jeff is in the studio right now. He's getting things set up with that device that makes that weird TV sound when you watch it. The one that goes... I can't really say. I'm always like this. <laughs> Zoinks! <laughs> so anyhow. <laughs> but before we get into that, let's get into the monkey's mailbag. Ready to go? Ready. P.O. Box 9847. P.O. Box 9847. All right. Well, here we are. Everyone comfy. We're all situated. Christine, would you do the honors? We got a very cool missive. Is is missive is missive the word? Is that what I want? Yes. yes. We 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 got a very cool missive from a very cool miss down under, and she'll be seeing the monkeys very soon. It is the one, the only Amanda Dixon from down under, and she wrote us this very cool letter. Please read it for us, Christine. Love to. Kaya Aura Zilch Nation. I stumbled across Zilch when hunting for recordings of the monkeys taking over radio stations during their 1967 tour, and I've been on board since about podcast episode three. Wow. I've I've been a Monkees fan for a solid 20-plus years, and when my husband texted me to say that Davy Jones had passed away, I was listening to Missing Links Volume 1 in my car. That album will never be quite the same again. Finding Zilch has been a wonderful way to share the joy, optimism, and fun that the monkeys bring to us all. In particular, I love the band member interviews and Zilch staff album reviews. 
I have my fingers crossed that a podcast dedicated to monkey era fashion will be coming soon, as long as Sarah can leave the gray trousers alone. <laughs> <laughs> that would nobody, be a good Nobody can ever leave the gray trousers alone. No. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Zilch gave the sense of community and, and enthusiasm that I used to get only from my fellow monkey friends in New Zealand in the 90s. Pre-internet, I met these special people through an ad in a woman's magazine asking for bootleg monkey cassettes. Aside from the laughs, great breadth of music, and teaching me that five foot four people can be ten foot tall on the inside, the monkeys introduced me to some of my best friends. I asked my buddies why the monkeys were still important to them and what they learned. Janine Preci says, The monkeys taught me to be true to myself and be proud of that regardless of how uncool it might seem to others. Marilyn Kelly says, that being cool is being who you are. And when you come across an obstacle, have fun with it. Tracy Palmer says, to have fun and be yourself. Zilch now brings us Kiwi fans from the bottom of the world closer to the action than ever before. Until they come to us in November, that is. I wanted to thank Ken, Sarah, Jeff, Melinda, Melanie, Christine, and the other good people at Zilch for all the good you do, and a special shout-out to Christine the Button Queen at headquarters. I look forward to wearing my badge with pride and meeting other fans at the concert. Peace and love, peace and love. Amanda Dixon, Wellington, New Zealand. Excellent, excellent. Love that. And Amanda also recently got a melodica, so... Look out, Dave Alexander. He chimed in on our Facebook page when uh, she posted a picture of her with her melodica. So who knows, maybe we'll have dueling melodica solos going on down under. That'd be cool. Yeah. Civilization may not survive. So if you can, join Amanda and everybody else down in Australia to see the monkeys. And there are two dates still in the United States as of this recording. Melanie, would you tell us what those dates are? Yes, we have November 19th in Lincoln, Rhode Island. November 20th in Englewood, New Jersey. November 29th, Christchurch, New Zealand. Yay! I'm so glad they're going down under. November 30th, Auckland, New Zealand. December 2nd, Brisbane, Australia. December 3rd, Tweed Heads. December 5th, Hobart. December 7th, Melbourne. December 9th, Canberra. December 10th, Sydney. December 11th, Adelaide. December 13th, Perth. December 15th, Sydney again, and December 16th, Gold Coast. I sure hope I pronounced all those correctly. Wow, wow, wow. So incredible. That is incredible. So see the monkeys while you can, and right now let's turn it over to Tex Nesmith with the weather. Now here's your weather forecaster, Tex Nesmith. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am Tex Nesmith. I'm your weather forecaster. The United States Weather Bureau today from Washington, D.C. reports that a northern wind and northern squall storm is building up just south of our, or north of our hometown. And uh, it will be coming down here about 3.30 this afternoon. However, our latest reports indicate that the storm has been quelled by a southern high-pressure front arising from the Gulf of Mexico. So today should be sunny and bright and clear. Thank 
thank you for that update, guys. Check out the monkeys. See them live while you can, because uh, this may be it for a while, if not forever. And they are putting on one heck of a show. I got to see my first monkeys concert in St. Louis. And uh, I'm telling you, if you don't do this, you will regret it. And, of course, with monkey concerts comes Zilch Meetups. And at the meetup on November 19th, Teresa Romeo will be out there and tons of other Zilchers. There will be Zilch buttons, correct, Button Queen? Oh, yes, there will. And there will be buttons. It sounds like something from a horror film in the, in the 50s, but these are good kind of things. Or, or if you're over in England, badges. So uh, we don't need no stinking badges. But, uh, yes, they it, do. Yes, they do. Yes, yes, you do. And the next night at Inglewood, New Jersey, Jan Doble, the great Jan Doble, will be heading up a zilch meetup and a button giveaway and jody ritson's also having a meetup so it'll be part of all the same thing and you get to meet a lot of cool people and i know if jody's involved and uh, jan's involved it's going to be awesome so say hello to Teresa and jan and jody and everybody that's, that's going to these things it's going to be very cool get to be part of this get to be part of zilch and monkeys love so it's fantastic i want to go <laughs> Who doesn't? So please have fun and get them while you can. We are all limited edition collector's item. Get all the experiences you can while you're still here. This is going to be a great time. And of course, it is the year of the monkeys. And speaking of the monkeys, Melanie, you're here today to do the color cast commentary for I Was a Teenage Monster. And that's that's one of my favorite episodes. Uh, I, I I always loved it when the monkeys met monsters, and uh, it was it was always kind of cool to see them play in that Halloween and was or spooky. This not the best monster ever. Oh, it I is mean, absolutely. Richard Keel just nailed that. It's such a wonderful performance in this episode. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And of course, with uh, what would a monkeys TV show be without monkeys music? And this is uh, one of the songs featured in it was Auntie Griselda. This is the first appearance of your Auntie Griselda in the series. You know, this was a song that I kind of always gave some chuff to when I was growing up. I, I didn't really care for it. But the older I get, the more I, I love it. And, you know, it was kind of meant to be like a, a protest type song, you know, against the the older generation and all that but it was it was kind of cool uh, it, it, it's really kind of changed its uh, tone and what it's meant to me over the years and I just love the way that Peter's been performing it this last year and even including Coco being some righteous uh, anti-type person and then Dave throwing in the Edith Bunker type <laughs> voice that's very cool <laughs> and this has just become a concert favorite of mine actually what do you think Melanie? Well, I, I love the way the audience eats it up, and I really I really enjoy hearing it and seeing Peter goof off so excitedly. One thing I'll say about how it's used on the TV show is mm-hmm. that in two of its appearances on the TV show, it's used in a circumstance where there is a character or characters who need to be convinced to throw off the people who are controlling them. Mm. In this episode, it's the monster who has to be told not to follow the orders of the evil scientist and then later on in captain crocodile it's used to convince the children that they should throw off the control of captain crocodile those anarchists the monkeys and uh christine your thoughts on antique griselda 
Well, like you, um, I have come to have a greater appreciation. I remember, you know, being a little kid listening to it originally and thinking it was just a fun song, not really picking up on the meaning of it. And then uh, over time, I thought, eh, but but uh, it's come back around for me. And I especially love watching Peter perform it, um, you know, watching his little soft shoe and... and uh, <laughs> Uh, and the way he ad-libs in the middle of it, um, yeah, it's it's a real fun number to watch, for sure. I, I, I love it. I mean, just that line, oh, no, don't look at me like Auntie Griselda. Just, <laughs> <laughs> think about what's going on. It's, it's a great song. Give it another chance if you don't dig it. As a matter of fact, here's a chance for you to give it another chance. Peter Tork and the Monkeys live with Auntie Griselda. Great song, great, great track. Actually, the line that to me is the most shocking, mm-hmm. and so I think the most effective is "You look just like her, you do." Oh, yeah, that glare, and yeah, yeah, that that sort of you know, suddenly the person he's speaking to is no longer this innocent, friendly, sympathetic. It, you know that she's already going around that corner and 
making that turn mm -hmm. and he's trying to pull her back from the precipice. Yeah, absolutely. Good points. I can tell points. by looking at you that you've been listening. Listening to your Auntie Griselda. That's yeah. right. Seriously, I would love to hear Slipknot do a cover of Auntie Griselda. <laughs> it would be so cool with all their percussion and loud guitars and Corey Taylor screaming, No, don't look at me like Auntie Griselda! It would be so cool. I would love it. I would love it. I would love it. There's a video of Shoe Suede Blues doing Antique Griselda, and yes, they used to. Mm -hmm. um, and there's this long pause just before they start the song, and AJ says something to Peter that you can't quite hear, but it, it might have been something like, you know, you're trying to get this into your soul or something like that. And Peter gets to the microphone and says, no, I'm not trying to get this into my soul. This song has no soul. So, you know, one of the things we like to do with uh, the Monkey's Color Cast commentaries is we have our MVM. And if you don't know what an MVM is, that's the most valuable monkey. So when you watch I Was a Teenage Monster, please let us know who you think your most valuable monkey was. And, and, and like, what, what actually constitutes the voting for most valuable monkey? After a, a color cast commentary has been put up on the podcast feed, we have a conversation thread on the Zilch Facebook group about whatever the content is of that particular podcast episode. And that's where you would vote basically just in the comments under that uh, topic. Just say my most valuable for, for this episode is name the person and if you want to, you can explain why you voted that way. You don't have to. Some people just give the name, and that's fine, too. But we really would encourage people to participate. There's more than 4,000 people on our Facebook group right now. The last episode we did, which was Case of the Missing Monkey, we had only 29 people vote. So come on, people. You're out there. We know you're listening. All it takes is just express your opinion because, you know, we really want to know what you think. And you can tell us what you think of the episode, what you think about what me and Jeff said and uh, you know start a conversation that's that's the ideal and this is your chance to vote and not have to feel bad about it because you're voting for the monkeys and we love all four of the monkeys so there we go <laughs> It'll, we're all winners with the monkeys vote Mike for mayor now Melanie I know sometimes you guys don't get to uh, respond to some of the things that are brought up after you guys do a, a monkeys color cast commentary and I know that you have some feedback and some points you'd like to point out while Jeff Hewlett and David Wills are preparing for the episode tonight. What would you like to talk about? Well, there were actually three questions that were raised during the color cast commentary for the case of the missing monkey. I have answers on two of them. Um, the one I could not answer and probably will never be able to answer mm -hmm. was Jeff's question about the amnesia machine that Dr. Markovich used. He wanted to know what that prop was made from, what kind of machine was adapted to be the amnesia machine. I don't have a clue. <laughs> I don't have a clue how to find out how to have a clue. I am clueless. Well, so that one's going to have to stay unanswered unless somebody actually recognizes that machine. Well, I, I have an answer. I think you're a victim of the machine itself, Melanie. Yeah, you can't remember yeah, what it was. I, I can't believe that you couldn't unearth an answer. I think you've just been victim. Right. Well, and I'm going to true. chalk it Who up to... You? I've never seen you before in my life. <laughs> Who are you? You've never seen me yet. <laughs> 
Actually, I'm just going to answer uh, where, it, where it came from. It doesn't matter. It's imaginary. Okay, next. They actually built an amnesia machine. It's yep. that simple. Mm -hmm. Okay, the question about the building that stood in for the Remington Clinic, I was able to narrow it down. Um, I spent a lot of time staring at overhead pictures of the um, Sunset and Gower Studios uh, today, and I couldn't find that building, which may mean that it's either been torn down or completely remodeled. But I stumbled across it actually in the opening scene of the episode Monkeys in the Ring. Mm. Um, I think I mentioned that uh, during the color cast commentary that that same building appears in that scene. But what I didn't notice until I saw it on the Blu-ray is that just at the moment that Davy touches the bully and the bully falls down mm -hmm. as if he'd been hit, you can clearly see the Screen Gems logo on the wall right next to the arched doorway, right where the Remington Clinic sign was in the episode. But it's the red S logo of Screen Gems, and right below it says Screen Gems. So clearly this was an office building on the, on the lot, and they just took down the Screen Gems logo and slapped a Remington Clinic sign in place. They probably did that for all kinds of TV shows. It was handy. Oh, absolutely. The other thing I found out was that the monkeys did not refer to the monkey mobile as the monkey mobile prior to Case of the Missing Monkey. Um, in the episode Monkeys in a Ghost Town, the police officer asked if that was their car, and Davy replied, isn't she a beauty? Other than mm. that, the only other major appearance it had was in Too Many Girls when it had a flat tire, but no dialogue. The car appeared briefly in a few other early episodes, but it was never talked about. And now I would like to put out a challenge to our listeners. I have not gone back to rewatch the entire series with this question in mind, but I'm pretty sure this was the only time the word monkey mobile was on mm. the show. So I'm challenging our listeners to find out when, if ever, did they ever refer to the Monkey Mobile by its name again. Wow. And, you know, that's uh, quite an enjoyable thing to do now, to rewatch the Monkey, since it's now on Blu-ray and looking pristine and fine as ever. So let us know if you know of any other episodes where the words Monkey Mobile were used. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Good for you. Well, we just got the high sign from Jeff Hewlett, and our announcer, you know him maybe as Ghosty Timmers, or you know him as David Wills. Either way, they are standing by, everyone's in their places, and they're waiting for you to get to your seats so you can do the color cast commentary for I Was a Teenage Monster. So, on my way. Christine cast and I... Yeah, Christine and I have our popcorn, and uh, Christine, you've got the big remote there. You can press the button. The button queen can press the button. It's my first time. I'm so excited. Ready, everybody? Three, two, one. Here we go. Hey, wait a minute, guys. You know what? It's 7.36, 30 Central Time. It's time for the monkeys. I wonder if anybody around here has got a television set. Hi, friends. Ralph Williams, one of the world's largest. Baloney, perhaps not. We, what we wanted to play was um, Creevich. Creevich. How do you play Creevich? Welcome to an island of peace on my stormy little planet of guts. Holy cliffhangers, Batman. Aren't you even going to try to get loose? What's the cube root of pie, Robin? The cube root of pie that... The Monkeys, brought to you by Kellogg.
Tonight's Monkey's Color Cast commentary is brought to you by The Remington Clinic. Listeners, are you depressed? Stressed? Need to decompress? Dr. Markovich and the friendly professional staff at the Remington Clinic are here for you. After just one visit, you'll leave all your cares behind and gain a whole new outlook on life. Welcome back to the Zilch Color Cast Commentaries. I am Jeff Hewlett, and with me is Monkey Magic author Melanie Mitchell. How are you, Melanie? I am well, thank you. How are you, sir? I am doing wonderful, and I'm very, very excited to be here with you again to do the commentary track for I Was a Teenage Monster. Ooh. Very scary. Very scary. <laughs> and, you know, that was a very good impression of some of the scary music that's used in the beginning of this episode. How do you know that wasn't the beginning of the episode? Ooh, good call. I, I'm not sure. You may no, have it was, been playing it was it me. The... It was me. Well, it was me. <laughs> you are skilled. You are very skilled. So getting back to I Was a Teenage Monster, you want to get into some of the details about who wrote and directed this episode? Certainly. Um, this is uh, some familiar names of the writers. We have our script and story editors, Gerald Gardner and Dee Caruso, working with Dave Evans. It's a team we've seen before and we'll see again. The director, on the other hand, is a one-time Monkeys director. This is the only Monkeys episode he directed. His name is Sidney Miller. And so I have a little bit of uh, background information on Sidney Miller. He was born in 1916, uh, started out as an actor in 1931, and appeared in dozens and dozens and dozens of films in the 30s and 40s. He started out directing in 1953 on a TV show called The Saturday Night Review, and his biggest accomplishment i would think and most astonishing as far as i'm concerned is he directed 151 episodes of the mickey mouse club which is damn near all of them impressive he also directed multiple episodes of the donald o'connor show damon runyon theater the ann southern show bachelor father the real mccoys my favorite martian mikhail's navy my mother the car honey west hank and the gene arthur show He's very unusual for a Monkeys director in that most of his directing credits were before the Monkeys. He did a couple more things in the late 60s and early 70s, but this is pretty much the, the closing of his directorial career. Hmm. After that, he worked mostly as an actor and a voice actor. 
and he was also a composer. He wrote scores for many films in the 40s and 50s. Jeez, well, I, I, I wonder what the backstory is behind choosing him as a director for a single Monkeys episode. I have no idea. Hmm. It'd be cool to find out, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would definitely would. I wonder if somehow, some way, we'll ever be able to get some insight into that. So let's talk really quickly about some of the cast members. And there's a couple guys in here who are in my favorites list. Uh, it, they've been around for in, in many, many different incarnations, and many, many characters, and many, many shows and movies. Uh, number one, starting with Richard Keel, who I had the distinct pleasure of seeing at multiple conventions uh, here in New Jersey and one Las Vegas Star Trek convention. So it was amazing to see him so many times so late in his life. And, uh, you know, Richard Keel should be recognizable to just about anybody i would think he's been in so many different things and he's just absolutely gargantuan uh at seven feet and uh, one and a half inches tall uh, his first acting credit on imdb is in 1957 uh, as an alien in the twilight zone episode to serve man which is probably one of the coolest twilight zone episodes uh, don't crucify me for saying that but i really love that episode and of course the villain jaws in two james bond films one of which of course is moonraker which i am a huge apologist for no matter how much people malign that film and of course the spy who loved me uh he passed away unfortunately a couple years ago in 2014 uh john hoyt is the second who plays dr mendoza has a huge amount of acting credits on imdb about 200 almost 250 like one shy uh, going back to around 1946, he played a lot of different German generals, which <laughs> applies well to this episode. Uh, Hogan's Heroes, of course, uh, three different judges on the Virginian. So we've also got Byron Fogler, who plays Groot, and that is not the Groot from the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is probably the most well-known Groot at this point. This is Groot for this episode, born in 1899, so one year before the turn of that century. Uh, has uh, 483 acting credits on IMDb, his first role being in a 1932 film called Night World. Uh, after the Monkees, he had a recurring role in Wendell Gibbs, as Wendell Gibbs on Petticoat Junction, passed away in 1970. And final entry is Bonnie Dewberry, who plays Dr. Mendoza's daughter, who he keeps in a closet for some unknown reason. Uh, Bonnie will appear again also on the Monkees as Cousin Lucy in Monkees in Texas. She was not credited for either role, which is a little bit strange. Uh, she was a dancer for uh, in the Lee Marvin film Point Blank, and that is about it for her film career. So, Melanie, you want to get into some of the details about the filming of this episode? Well, I don't know a whole lot, but it was filmed in three days, November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of 1966. I think it's interesting that they started filming on a Tuesday when they finished filming the previous episode, the previous Thursday. Uh, for some reason, they did not film on Halloween. Think about it. They could have been mm -hmm. working on this episode on Halloween, but they did perfect. <laughs> The episode was aired on January 16th of 1967, and that particular day, January 16th of 1967, was the very same day that the guys had their very first group recording session when they recorded All of Your Toys and the Girl Somewhere. Two really awesome songs. So that's songs. a cool date. 
Yeah, unfortunately, one of them mm-hmm. wouldn't have been released back then. Yeah, um, but but two awesome songs nonetheless. Yeah, and their very first session together in the in the studio as musicians. So awesome. Amazing. Okay, that's all I have on that. All right. So, uh, any information about the songs in the episode? Uh, well, I do know that this particular episode was not repeated in the summer of 1967. Um, in 1969, when it was on Saturday morning TV, they took out your Auntie Griselda and replaced it with Good Clean Fun. Ooh, I, that, I don't know how good of a substitution that is. <laughs> well, that's what they were doing. Auntie Griselda fits the episode so much better, but okay. All so right. we have a passage um, from Richard Keel's autobiography Yes. that was provided to us by Dale Sherman on the Zilch Facebook group. Thank you, Dale. He spotted this in uh, Mr. Keel's autobiography, and it's just a wonderful thing that, that uh, Mr. Keel had to say about his time on the monkeys. Um, he wrote, One of my favorite experiences in my career was doing the monkeys show. I got to be a gay interior decorator and rock and roll singer, complete with long hair, granny glasses, and the obligatory paisley shirt. Oh, and I almost forgot, I started out as a monster. The most fun part was being able to ad-lib along with the guys, and I had a ball doing all the dance-type goofy stuff to music and all the other crazy things that the monkeys and their friends did. My rendition of the gay interior decorator was really out there, and today it wouldn't be considered politically correct. But in the era that it was done, it was considered humorous, and it was funny. Monster, are you back to normal? I would do this room in France Provincial. Well, Mickey, what is this called? The color scheme should be lavender and puce. Or this. Sorry about that. (laughs) I saw firsthand how the monkeys, who were really talented, were also overworked and underpaid. Their contract included the TV show, the records, without additional revenue, plus doing concert dates. I was sitting talking to them when their producer told them what time their rehearsals would start that evening after the shooting of the TV show. And one of them asked, when do we get to eat? They were told they could order pizza in if they didn't want to wait until they got home. I had the feeling they would probably have to pay for their own pizza. So that's an interesting window into the into the uh, shooting of the show. Yeah, it actually is, and and for me, it's it's I love hearing uh, about his experience on the show, but I'm also a little bit saddened to hear about how the monkeys were treated behind the scenes. And uh, you know, I, I probably am not as well read as a lot of you other listeners out there, and you you guys probably knew a lot of this stuff, but I'm not as familiar with that. So that that's kind of upsetting to me. <laughs> to hear that. Master, kill the monkeys! Androids, Andy! Andy, wait! I'm Peter, your friend. The doctor's an evil man. He wants to exploit you. You're only a pawn in his hands, a tool for his avaricious ambition. Avaricious ambitions? Where did you get that? It's in the script. Are you sure? It's on page 28. Besides, he wants 60% of your income. 60%? No, Android! I'm your master and I only want 25%. Kill that, Peter. No, Android, wait. He's a bad man. Kill Peter. 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 But anyway, 
I gotta put that aside because we have a color cast commentary to do here for I Was a Teenage Monster. And are you ready to go with our color cast commentary? Ready to go. All right, so we are gonna start our color cast commentary for I Was a Teenage Monster in three, two, one. All right, Melanie, any information on the stock shot of the creepy castle? Well, I know it was used in at least one other episode, but I don't remember off the top of my head which one, so I'll have to get back to you. I do know, however, that this, which looks like the uh, entrance to Mr. Mendoza's home, is actually the monkey's pad. (laughs) I was going to say that. Very same layout, different door. But if you look behind Mike um, during this entire scene, you can see the curved railing of their um, spiral staircase. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> so they just brought in a pillar and some curtains and a whole bunch of a props. Yep. A redress. I, I really like the dust coming off of the door knocker. But I have to ask you a question. When they were standing outside getting ready to knock on the door, I didn't notice any smoke. But when uh, Dr. Mendoza opened the door, there was clearly a smoke machine going oh, in the background. So maybe these were shot on two separate occasions. Well, was it the difference between being inside and being outside? Because yes. they would have had to move the cameras around. And, yeah. Uh, so it was an interior. It was an exterior shot of them outside, yeah. and then an interior shot inside. And I, I didn't see any smoke outside. When they opened the door, there was a clearly a smoke machine. So. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. So we we talked right over the uh, introduction of the monster as yes. he stood uh, attached to his base unit or whatever you would call it, where he is kept. Yeah, strapped in kind of like Frankenstein, uh, kind of like a makeshift Frankenstein. He wasn't out on the roof getting struck by lightning or anything. And they can't seem to decide whether he's a monster or an android. They keep yeah, going back and forth and back yeah. and forth between yeah. those two. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you too. I, I know that you are so well versed with all of these monkeys episodes, and I, I'm not as familiar with other shows in the '60s. But was duping bands with fake gigs a big thing back in the '60s? <laughs> It seems like they're always <laughs> duping the monkeys into showing up well, for things. <laughs> I think it's just you know part of that whole premise that the monkeys are starving musicians who desperately need some money, mm-hmm. and they would uh, do anything to to be able to get by. Yeah, I, I guess they they do have to use that over and over again. But I thought it was kind of funny that um, they're constantly getting duped with these kind of fake or quasi fake gigs. Okay, now, folks, if you are watching on a Blu-ray, we just saw a Kellogg's commercial, which you probably didn't have, so we're going to be behind you by about 30 seconds for the rest of the episode. Yeah. And here we are in Mr. Do- pardon me, Dr. Mendoza's house, which happens to be the ballroom set. Green yeah. walls, fluted pilasters, doodah, doodah. <laughs> I wonder, do we have a count, Melanie, of how many times we see that ballroom set? <laughs> I put together a... a a um, album of screenshots and uh, put them on my Facebook group Monkey Magic hmm. and uh, probably about 20 or so episodes in the first season and another okay. dozen or so in the second season okay. um, it's just constantly being used hmm. I, I think wonder- um, James Farley said in the first episode's commentary track that that was their only standing set other than the pad Amazing. was the ballroom <laughs> so there's the monster again I just is. I am so impressed at the acting job that Richard Keel does with almost no dialogue at all. Absolutely. And I love the overdubs of the the weird voice sound effects. The growling. and Yeah. And, yeah. and of course, Peter takes to him immediately. Of course. 
incredible. So, I also love the the take on the classic Igor character in this episode Groot. with Groot, who hasn't been introduced by name yet. Uh, but I, you know, it, it's, it's funny to me that all mad scientists on TV in the 60s were Germans. <laughs> <laughs> and here's Mike being his masterful big boss self again, and then quickly checking to see if he delivered his line okay. Yeah. And Was nice cutaway. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice cutaway. Very classic. But, and but done in an elegant way with a slide up and with then slide, slide up back and slide then. down, yeah. yeah. I, I love the the shot too of the monkeys uh, reacting to the monster that was taken from from the monster's point of view. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of there. Here we go. Right here, you're kind of looking slightly down at the monkeys. Oh yeah, so, good point. Yeah, I, I love that camera. It's so subtle, and it's not something that's very deliberate looking. But um, there it is again. Look at the three of them on, on each on a different finger of that enormous hand. Yeah, yeah that wasn't a special effect. His hand really is that big. <laughs> Good old Richard Keel. Yeah. And you know what? I Like I said, I've seen him in person several times, and he really is a huge, huge guy. Well, I've also heard that he is just very, very sweet. Or he was. Is. He died a couple of years ago, but everything I've read about him meeting with fans was that he was just absolutely wonderful with fans yeah i got a chance to talk to him at one of the conventions very briefly but he was so nice and so accommodating such a such a wonderful oh, those rumors are true absolutely yeah. true good now this is an adorable scene because out of the laboratory you can sort of see some emotion from the the monster of you know like there's a moment when he gets the beetle haircut where he actually smiles a little bit and yeah. that's just adorable it is cute well, this whole sequence is very cute where Mickey's calling out all the things that need to happen to make the android hip. There's that smile. So. Yeah, Mickey's actually working some monkey magic here. He is. You know, conjuring various things for the for the monster. And Richard um, looks what? really great in that getup. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing we bypass I want to mention really, really quickly is, and I, I talked about this prior to our commentary, and there's moments that in this episode for me that have stuck in my mind and I have actually quoted and reused in my real life many times and one that just went by was Mike's gag where he does that gesture with his hand where he talks about seeing the monster or android's name all around the mausoleum right and yeah, that's that, a good one I've used that in my real life many uh-huh. times and not around the mausoleum but but that deliberate deliberate uh-huh. all around with the hand gesture. <laughs> right. It's so now, well done. Now I have to call out Davy's wonderful pratfall, which just went by. Um, down two steps and a backwards somersault. Uh, very impressive. Not a stunt double either. No, nope, that was him. Very, very, very well done. I love the trick drum kit here too. <laughs> and the trick drumsticks that break. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what? They really get a, a lot of mileage out of this whole goo gag. <laughs> This isn't the last one. They've done it like three times already. <laughs> He's no, going to do it again. I loved uh, Mike's translation, you know, Jimmy Crack Corn, and I don't care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great stuff. And I, I love that Groot is kind of hanging around mm-hmm. in the background here, ready to burst through yet again and scare everybody. Yeah. This is actually one of my favorite lines in the whole show that i live to grovel i love that line and you know what if groot if i could give my mvm vote to groot 
I would give it to him for that line. Okay. It cracks me up. <laughs> now, Mike's reaction descended from the of Jack the Ripper. That's that's a clunker to me. I mean, mm. Jack the Ripper is not a monster. Yeah. And he's you know was only a hundred or so years ago. So you know it's it's just they, they could have picked some other reference. I think would have been a little bit cleaner. Now this is the oh well that was the the guest room that they're all mm-hmm. piling into is the bedroom set from the pad. Really. Yes. Get Again, out of here. I didn't rough know that. gray walls. Um, the back wall has a couple of uh, slanted sections, like it's underneath the roof of the, the building. Uh, oh. Makes it very easy to identify the bedroom set. Well, not easy for me, but easy okay. for you. Well done. <laughs> so, yeah, I actually, you know what? Oh, wait a minute. Let me just say that they have the Wedge of Girl in this episode somewhere, don't they? Of course, of the course beautiful Bonnie Dewberry. But what's really strange is she's in a closet, and she's treated as if she were artificial. Yes. You know, they don't say, oh, let's help you get away from here, or can you help us get away from here? No. Nope. Or what's it? They just close the door again. Yeah, as if she's nothing, Leave her there. really. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I, I just want to say really quickly, I love the fact that they're using this kind of plot where they're transferring the monkey's musical talent to the android. I think that's really a funny premise. I guess great. And, you know, this is not something that I've seen done somewhere else. I think it's a wonderful, unique monkey's premise. Uh-huh. Peter pushes Mike out of the way. He's He yeah. wants to watch the TV show. And did you, did you notice that Davy's belt is different? Again, than everybody else's. Oh, yeah. He's got a different belt buckle, I think. Uh-huh. The other guy's belt buckles are much bigger and rounder than Davy. Well, he has to shop in the, the boys' department. Uh, what a, that was unkind of me. <laughs> interesting breakaway couch there with the back yeah. that folds open. Yeah, it's very kind of artificial the way they separate each of the guys from the other. I mean, this whole Mike puts his feet up on the chair so he can swing around. Yeah, yeah right. And did but, you notice that the doctor on the TV show also has an accent? A German but, accent? And he's also talking about transferring the mind of one into the body of another. <laughs> yes. And his, and his beautiful daughter is saying, no, father. You see, yeah. the doctor on the TV show also has a beautiful daughter. <laughs> I know that they ran out of ways to kidnap people. They ran out of the creative ways. I have no idea what film that is that they were watching or even if it was a real film. No idea. That's a good question. Maybe you can do some (laughs) follow-up on that one. Oh, dear. Here we go again. (laughs) So they're back down in the lab, and there's a lot of up and down and up and down in this episode. Um, I've always been a little bit put off by the fact that these metal caps that they've got on don't really fit. Yeah, I, I, but I do on the on a positive note. I really do like the pieces that attach to the sides of their heads. They're overly elaborate. Oh yeah. To me, and they they went. I think those didn't need to be that elaborately put together. Look, especially when you see it on Davy's head, you can see how pronounced <laughs> those things are. <laughs> I think it's interesting that this lab, which you know, they're dealing with an android. They're dealing with electricity. But there's all these beakers and test tubes full of chemicals. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite sure what kind of lab this is. I don't know, but that's a lot of old audio equipment, by the way. Oh, is that what we're yeah, looking at? Yeah, there's a lot of old – you can see a lot of VU meters in the background. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's a lot of makeshift audio equipment that's kind of floating around back there. Yeah, well, that kind of makes sense. That's what they would have around. Um, there's one device um, – 
not too far from the electrical on-off switch that they used to, you know, really start the, the thing. Oh, Davy's hands were untied for a moment there. Yeah. Um, that is meant to look like a stack of records. And in fact, later in the episode, Mickey will actually put a needle on it and start to play Auntie Griselda. <laughs> not so, sure what it's supposed to be, but it looks almost like a stack of records on a turntable. Yeah, and as you alluded to earlier, this particular sequence is where it's really apparent that they switch back and forth between calling uh, Richard Keel's character the monster and the android. Mm-hmm. It switches back several times during this sequence. And, oh, I... Must I must actually say that I love the Godfrey von Schnitzler gag. Oh, yeah. There's a little boy that lives down the hill. Great, great stuff. Delivered so deadpan. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. And interestingly enough, there was a character named Dr. Schnitzler in the Case of the Missing Monkey. Right. Which was, which was the last episode aired, but is actually the next episode filmed. This episode was filmed before Case of the Missing oh, Monkey. Okay. Now, here's this is the part I had a problem with this when I was younger, that the android is singing, but not just singing yeah. with Mickey's voice. He's singing yeah. with the sound of all their instruments, the instruments. as well. Yeah, so it's pretty much they're playing the record. <laughs> and I realized that, that if if the monster is an android, then perhaps what we're listen, looking at is a playback yes. function. That he's not really singing at all. He's just playing back the sound of the record, like a, no. like a great big seven-foot mp3 player but if that's the if that's the premise then why would they need to actually take the monkey's voices away they could just have the record playing through the android well if they took their memories of the song away oh that's true then they could steal the monkey well the it's not like the monkeys were like multi-billionaire millionaire recording artists at the time uh well maybe he couldn't trick a multi-millionaire recording Mm. artist to come up to his house i guess not I guess not. Well, you know, another question I have for you, though, Melanie, around the same thing is that when they when they come to and they start to sing and we realize they can't sing anymore, they start to sing the theme from the TV show. Right. Does that mean that they actually perform that song at their gigs? Do we ever hear them perform that song? But remember, the they've been told that their voices are being their their talent is being taken away from them. So the very first thing is they try to assert who they are. Ah, good point. Good point, but I, I just I always thought that was a really incredible fourth wall break that they know their own theme song. <laughs> <laughs> uh. No, one of the things that irritated me was that he took their memories away, but their memories came back spontaneously with no effort or reason at all. Oh, and note where Mike keeps the two hundred dollars tucked in his eight panel eight button panel, because again, the gray pants have no pockets. <laughs> Uh, it's a shame they have to give the money back. I felt so bad. This is like a double scam. They should be fighting. They should be angry and upset, and instead they just kind of wander away. <laughs> I can't believe there was no act called the Swinging Android. <laughs> <laughs> well, I t- this totally could have sold. There could I be. Think. There uh, could be. I love Richard Keel's lip sync job here. Mm-hmm. You know oh, he yeah. had to learn the song. Right. For that. And he's enjoying them. I mean, he's not just a monster anymore i mean he's clearly got the moves and the and the feel for it as well yeah that's a good point he's not cardboard he's he's actually grooving yeah and looks like he's playing guitar and swinging around by the way that display on the stage behind him mm-hmm. is a, a anatomical chart of um the um circulatory and nervous system oh cool again if he's an android why do we have that <laughs> More randomness. Yeah. <laughs> More randomness in the background. And, but here we go with the spontaneous memory restoral. Yeah. 
just effortless. It just happened. They, they should have written a scene where something happened. Somebody fell and hit their head or something to, to bring back the, the memory. And she's got a script from the sequel. Yeah, I love the cutaway with this, with bringing her back and trying to consult her on what's going on. And she's reading a script for the sequel. That's which, a really funny gag. Which bears a passing resemblance to Monstrous Monkey Mash. All right. Good call. Good call. <laughs> and here, I, I love the fact that they keep finding ways for Mickey to use his uh, mad scientist capabilities yeah. and figuring out how, and they they all turn to mickey to figure out how to operate this machinery none oh, yeah. of them actually try it they, they assume that mickey can figure it out and it makes sense he's he's the one who would be able to mm-hmm. what's interesting to me is that the monster just stands there there's that stack of records there it is yeah, exactly. yeah yeah i guess then, the monster must sleep or something yeah oh great sequence here i love that the mirror has a german accent as well <laughs> Yeah, but what bothers me is that they just said, let's go down and check on the android. Oh, well, they and have to stop. He has to stop don't. and check. But they never go down to check on the android. They talk to the mirror. They answer the phone. They have a conversation. <laughs> he said, just walk through the door. They should be walking down the stairs right this instant, but they never actually go down. Oh, yeah, good call. So it, 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 it's just a little sloppy on the plotting here. A little bit, but well, it, it, yeah, but the other, the, the top evil genius is also german yeah so a little bit of good writing there all evil scientists are german in the 60s oh i am imdb says that that was james frawley's voice on the magic mirror um maybe it was maybe it wasn't he didn't direct this episode but if he was around he certainly could have done it he could have so here's where i get some of my dvd something yeah, so we got magna scanner some of the the markings on our magna scanner on the dials echo canyon cosmic harbor and I couldn't make out what the fourth dial says because you only see part of the label. Oh, well, you so, had to set the woofer tweeter to mellow, so. <laughs> well, there's a challenge for our Blu-ray owners. If you are looking to help us out, do some freeze framing on this episode and tell us exactly what those labels underneath all the dials and switches say on that console. Now, see notice how many times, how many times they set off those explosions. Hmm. And... The doctor and Groot never come downstairs. No. And they had to build that uh, apparatus that holds the monkeys in such a way where it makes those explosions every time (laughs) you do that sequence. Uh, I mean, it can't be something that's unintentional because the first time it did it, it probably would have burned the machines out. Right. (laughs) uh, Did you notice there's a water heater in the background? Uh, No, I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of off to the left of where Mickey is right now. I don't know if they're going to do another wide shot. They're... You can kind of yeah. see it off to the left of Mickey right there. Well, if they're, oh yeah, well, they're in the basement of the, of the house. So there's a water heater down there. Yeah, that makes sense. I love Mike's, Mike's imitation of the, uh, <laughs> the monster voice there. Yeah, so it is well weird done. though that Mickey immediately said, hey, Mike, how do you feel? It's like, why is he asking Mike how he feels? But mm. he must have had some sense that Mike was the one affected that time. Another weird conversation. Again, they're not going downstairs to find out what all the explosions are about. They're just chatting and chatting and chatting. Uh, well, poor Groot. I mean, he does so much work. Uh, he's such a loyal yeah. servant. I mean, he deserves to be able to choose what body he gets transferred into, I think. Right. right. Yeah. And is that the cane that that Groot had when they came downstairs? Or is that just think- a random cane? I think it's just a random cane. I didn't think Brute was using a cane. Oh, I could have sworn that there was a cane earlier. I'm a, I may be off. Uh, Are those here's... corks in his ears, by the way? 
Because Frankenstein have bolts yeah. in his neck. Right. <laughs> it didn't take him too much time to glue something to his neck, so they just stuck him in his ear. Mm-hmm. Now he's doing his gay interior direc- decorator. Does a great invitation. job, and I love the fact that he talked about that in yeah. <laughs> in his in his biography because that to me I was thinking to myself when I saw this, yeah, it's funny and it probably played well back then, but that is really not PC <laughs> today. No, it- I think it's actually kind of kind of cute. It wasn't explicitly gay. It was just no, a feminine. but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well, I guess we know what the reference was. But but notice what brings the guys downstairs was the sound of breaking glass. Uh, yeah. Explosion, 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 explosion for the last ten minutes, and then they come running downstairs when something glass breaks. Mm. But here's Peter convincing the android not to kill. You know, here's another opportunity. I think they could have used a, another minute of the episode to flesh out the relationship between Peter and the android because we don't really see a lot of relationship building uh, between no, the two of them. There's a lot of, you know, really friendly, you know, touching and, and God, that sounds dirty. But, you know, <laughs> Peter was, you know, stroking his coat and, and uh, just being friendly at the very beginning. But you're right. There wasn't much in the middle. Except for that lesson on how to move while playing guitar. There was Mickey putting the needle on the records. And that great I... transition <laughs> with Richard Keel's dancing between the episode it. and the romp. <laughs> and here's another. I, you know how much I love romps that were filmed mm-hmm. specifically for the episode that they're in. Yep. So... This one is very specific. And I love even the fact that the courtyard has peasants in it. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> running with torches in their hands and mickey right. drinking random potions right <laughs> and god knows what's going to happen to him but he does it he does such a great job and there are open flames on that lab bench Look behind that. him there that are surprises me on a on a tv set that they yeah have I, right there like you that. can see it i didn't even realize that when i watched this earlier very cool <laughs> and do you know where that footage of that that monster is from I do. I just love Davy jumping up into the monster's arms. But you're right. That's Reptilicus, which is a Danish horror film from 1961. And the stock footage from Reptilicus was used in five different Monkeys episodes. <laughs> Very cool. I, I'd love to get a copy of Rept- Reptilicus. I've never seen the movie. It looks delightfully cheesy. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I've never seen it either, but I, it does look delightfully cheesy. And I've seen some still photos that show how the the you know mini- miniatures of the city that Reptilicus is destroying were made. Uh, I'm gonna have to look on YouTube and see if that's there. <laughs> but uh, real quick, I want to throw out another thing. I love that they had that fourth wall break with Davy mentioning it's in the script. Oh earlier. yeah. That that's one of the things about the monkeys that I love. It's so self-aware at times, and so unaware at other times. So it, it goes back and forth. <laughs> I love this brilliant. shot with the four of them hiding behind the monster. Yeah. And now they're, they're giving him a makeover. Right. <laughs> so cute. I wonder how much of that stuff was ad-libbed. Well, even Richard Keel mentions ad-libbing with the guys, so apparently a lot of it. And oh, there's, there's Reptilicus, Reptilicus again. <laughs> this so is great. I've seen, I've seen pictures, you know, it's up to people's knees, that, you know, city that he was destroying. I have got to look that up after we get done with this because I really want to see that now. And here we are with the monkeys winning again yep. uh, by and muscling the bad guys down. Oh, poor Reptilicus died too. Oh, that's a shame. 
So I, I love the fact that the daughter goes for Davy, of course, by the way. Of course. And that's the first time they treat her like a person instead of a piece of furniture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why, so do they they thought, have the, why do they have him laying down now? Well, they're tying him up, and I guess that's Groot that they're tying up behind him. That yeah, you kind of can't see. But what they do with the monster? Well, it's not the monster's fault. Maybe he gets to go and be a groovy android somewhere else. They never really fleshed out whether or not the android went back to being kind of a blank slate or if the transference was fully completed. Well, Peter did say he wanted a pet. Mm, that's a good call. So yeah, here we have really fake-looking toy guitars yeah. that were to destroy instantly. I like that, though. I think it's cute. <laughs> and there's another open flame now behind them. With oh, sparks yeah. flying. So, all right. Well, that brings us to the end of our commentary for I Was a Teenage Monster. And I guess that means it's time for our most valuable monkeys vote. So, Melanie, I'm going to defer to you. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to give it to Peter because <laughs> if Peter hadn't befriended the monster, they would have died. Ah, excellent. <laughs> And Very it's a nice succinct. lesson to take away from an episode that it is. you can succeed by being friendly to someone that, you know, you might want to be afraid of. Mm, good call. Well, I'm going to go with Mickey uh, for the obvious reason of him figuring out how to operate the machinery and get their musical talents transferred back to them from the android. So if they had never done that, we would not have our monkeys that we love so much. Uh, we would have lost them to the swinging android and we would all be swinging android fans right now i got a question for you sure. if, if if you transfer in one direction by setting the woofer tweeter to mellow <laughs> then what setting on the woofer tweeter would you use for transferring back that's a good call i don't know um, <laughs> headbanger yeah maybe you have to set it to some sort of extreme setting to get the transfer back but whatever it was mickey figured it out so he gets my mvm vote and that is a call for all of you guys out in zilch listener land to chime in on the facebook page and let us know what you think is your vote for the mvm do you side with melanie or do you side with me or do you have a completely different opinion we are looking forward to hearing from you so that wraps up our Colorcast commentary for I Was a Teenage Monster. We'll be back with you with another comment, Colorcast commentary very shortly. Melanie, it was a lot of fun being here with you as always. Thank you so much. I had fun too. Yes, it's always a blast. So we'll see you guys again very soon. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's Monkey's Colorcast. I'm your announcer, Ghosty Timbers. Now, back to the show. Hi, Zilch fans. This is Melanie Mitchell. Be sure to check out my book, Monkey Magic, a book about a TV show about a band. It's a lighthearted review and companion for the TV show that made the 60s fun. The paperback is available online from Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and the ebook can be bought anywhere that fine ebooks are sold. Check out the Monkey Magic Facebook page, follow me on Tumblr at bluemoonalto.tumblr.com, and listen for my contributions here on Zilch, a Monkey's podcast. Wow, what another really cool Monkey's Color Cast commentary. We'd like to thank our announcer. You know him maybe as Ghosty Timmers, or you know him as David Wills. Either way, he sounds so fine 
all the same. We thank you for being our announcer for the Monkey's Colorcast commentary, and we'd like to thank Jeff Hewlett, who is already scampering off to do the tricorder transmission. He's a very busy guy. He's, he's going at warp speed. So we'd like to thank you all for, for doing that. Thank you, Melanie. My pleasure. And in Monkey News, there is some sad news that we have to talk about. We'd like to pay a little tribute to these two gentlemen, but both Leon Russell and Mose Allison, two guys who either played on the Monkees albums or, or helped shape their music. Uh, Leon Russell played on so many amazing songs and so many amazing tracks. He was part of the Wrecking Crew, and he went on to have a wonderful solo career unto himself and uh, just an outstanding talent. And... Mose Allison was just a true innovator and just so so much cool stuff that he did. And he was an influence on the monkeys and the track going down. And later, Peter Tork and his band Shoe Suede Blues covered a song called Your Molecular Structure. This little bit is kind of a tribute to both Leon Russell and Mose Allison. You're going to hear some of Porpoise song. You're going to hear Mickey talk about the creation of Going Down. And we're also going to hear Peter Tork and Shoe Suede Blues doing your molecular structure. Thank you, Leon Russell and Mose Allison. You made our life better through your music. In fact, the next record you've chosen is by Mose Allison, and this has got an interesting story, hasn't it? Well, <clears throat> I just became a Mose Allison fan. I don't even remember how. Maybe my mom had a, an album or my dad. I, I, I just remember uh, really uh, appreciating it. You know, I just loved it. And I, as you can tell, I'm quite a jazz, you know, kind of person. And uh, he had one song called Parchment Farm. And I just loved it. I played it over and over and over again. And this is like as, as a kid and a teenager. And um, uh, then the monkeys came along and I wanted to do it as a monkey song. And we laid down a track, killer track, and basically uh, just the chord progression, which is only three chords, as most songs, songs are, and a great groove. Peter Tork had a great uh, uh, arrangement, a kind of groove to it that was slightly different than the original Mose Allison. And 
we finished it and it came out really great. And it was Mike Nesmith actually that said, you know, it's great to do a Mose Allison tune. That's cool. But we got a great track here, just three chord rhythm section. Why don't we have somebody write an original, some original lyrics? And we went to Diane Hildebrand, famous uh, songwriter, and she wrote the lyrics, which became the song, the monkey song, Going Down. Ah. Uh, and <clears throat> I don't know if you remember the tune. It was like floating down the river with a saturated liver and a wish you could forgive about a doobly man. Uh, but it was to the chord progression of Parchment Farm, right? Yeah, well. Sitting down here on a parchment farm. Oh, wow. So this is the original. This is the inspiration for going down. Sitting over here on Parchment Farm Well, I'm sitting over here on Parchment Farm Well, I'm sitting over here on Parchment Farm And I ain't never done no man no harm Give us a bit of that again. Shoot my wife. I'm sitting over here on parchment farm. In the morning, when down. 
And word gets around. Uh uh, going down. That's yeah. dazzling. Great. The way you, that's, you can hear how that was the model of a sort of an, yeah. nothing else comes out of it. That's yeah. it. We heard that how a song was written there, the way yeah. you, you did that. Well, right? it all comes from somewhere. Yep, that's right. Only 12 notes. <laughs> and we'll use both of them. <laughs> so Anytime you, we can. Yes. You use two? Yes. Whoa. Yeah, sometimes. Wow. Sometimes. That is cool. And sometimes up to three chords. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so we're pretty advanced. molecular structure is really something fine a first-rate example of functional design those cosmic undulations are steady coming through your molecular structure baby me and you Cellular organization is really something choice. Electromagnetism to make me lose my voice. Got all my circuits open, my systems we go. Your cellular organization, baby, stop the show. structure is really something swell a high frequency modulated jezebel thermodynamically you'll get to me your molecular structure baby Ooh, he. want to thank you all for listening today and if you can see the monkeys while you can uh, either above or down under right you know I, I guess if they're down under we're up above but how's that work either here in the u.s or down under i wonder if um there was a band called guys that are unemployed who did a song i come from a land up above up over yeah, uh, yeah, up over. Yeah, I come from a land up over. I come from a land up over. Yeah. <laughs> Australians all over the world want to beat me to death right now. Um, and some Americans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's going to happen. Um, so men at work, men that are unemployed, or what was it, Job, men, men without jobs, I guess. But then that could be men without hats, so you got to be careful. Well, if you don't have a hat, you don't have a job? Yeah. I'm watching this podcast sort of sailed off into the distance. <laughs> Down under. So so once again. Hi. <laughs> 
Either way, with jobs, without jobs, hats, without hats, we're glad that you took some time to monkey around with us today here at Zilch, the podcast full of monkeys. Thank you once again. Tell a friend and catch the monkeys while you can. Thank you for being part of this show. We'll see you. Bye. 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 And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members, past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. <laughs> Don't now. Now really, everybody cool it, because I won't be able to get through this. Action. Hey, wow. It's a groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. Oh, gee, that's a nice thought. Gee, that's a neat button. What does it say? Let's go again. Come on. Pull your head out. Let's go. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Actually, the good, it's even, the even better Good Times album, right? I thought it was the Good Great Times album. Well, there you go. Hey, Hello, my baby. We... Hello, my sunshine. <laughs> Hello, my ragtime gal. <laughs> it's a shame we don't have video. Yeah, really. <laughs> or a blessing. I don't know. Episode 43, I Was a Teenage Monster. Is that the name of it? What is it? Okay, well, first 43? of all, it's not 43. 73? We're over 70. Yeah, right, right, right. Go on. What's what's the name of it? I Was a Teenage Monster, yes. All right. See, this is why you're here. Because I can do the math. Yeah. <laughs> so this way I can like... The thing is I've got a big, loud mouth. So long, farewell, our feet are saying goodbye. I flit, I float, I fleetly flee, I fly. (sighs) Seriously, the most disgusting form of music that there is. And another Franken episode is born. Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't that be something? (laughs) It always is. And a special, oh, sorry. Now I screwed that up. Get it together. Ah! All right. Remember, you were still recording. We're still recording. Sorry. Gura. Gura. <laughs> Happy trails to you. You say goodbye, and I say hello. Oh, God, now we have to start over again. Mm-hmm. Hello, hello. 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 Wow, what another fantastic monkey's color cost. Bleep, 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 take 79! Hello, friends of Zilch. I'm Craig. And I'm Megan. And if you're looking for even more monkey's content, you can find us at Same Page Cast. On the Pods and Sods Network at iTunes. Hi again, fellow monkey's fans. Al Bigley here, also known as Mendrick the Magnificent. And your favorite humble mentalist, Alan Oraculo Williams. We just wanted to let you know about our new monkeys podcast called The Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Where we reminisce and ruminate along with you guys about our favorite entertainment entity, The Monkeys. Who? Oh, oh, of course, The Monkeys. We talk about anything and everything. 
our own personal memories and opinions, watershed moments in the group's history. You'll hear my partner's famous, amazing remixes of your favorite monkey tunes. Who knows what else we can think of, depending on whether the brain cells work. That's right. Find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Or go to blogspot.com and search for us there. A monkey's podcast for everyone. The Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Check us out. Hi, fellow Zilch fans. This is Dr. Roseanne Welch, author of Why the Monkeys Matter, Teenagers, Television, and American Pop Culture, a book about the enduring significance of the monkeys as a groundbreaking television program, one that introduced audiences to new ideas of political ideology and new concepts of class and feminist theory, a program that challenged the rules of a new medium and paved the way for future innovation. Why the Monkeys Matter highlights the artistic achievements of the show's writers, actors, directors, and other artists, and celebrates all that the monkeys mean to television, to American popular culture, and to us, the fans. Why the Monkeys Matter is available in print and for Kindle, Apple iBooks, and Nook from your favorite bookseller. Find out more at RoseanneWelch.com. R-O-S-A-N-N-E-W-E-L-C-H.com. Hey, ape fans, did you know that there were not just one, but two Planet of the Apes TV series broadcast in the 1970s, a live-action series in 1974, and an animated series in 1975? And if you're an ape fan who wants to catch up on these series through a fun-filled podcast, then tune in to Talking Apes TV, where we break down each episode with Ergotastic conversations. That's right, they are ergotastic until we break into arguments because we don't always see things ape to ape. <laughs> That's because you're always seeing vampires and pigs in with the gorillas, chimpanzees, and zayuses. Every time I watch them, I always see something new. And of course, where you find apes, you find monkeys! There are so many crossovers between the Monkeys and the Planet of the Apes TV series that we even had our podcast composer write this very special jingle. Hey, hey, we're the apes, and people say we monkey around, but we took over the planet, so don't try to keep us down. You can catch Talking Apes TV every month at skywalkingthroughneverland.com and retrozap.com. And visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash TV. Now go ape! What did I do? I don't know, man, but don't do it again. <laughs>